Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll talk to Mike Farron of Sirius XM Radio about the state of Major League Baseball and whether or not the owners and players can resolve their economic dispute and get the shortened season underway sometime in July. Well, if we don't have baseball, we will have the Stanley Cup playoffs. On Tuesday, the NHL became the first of the major four pro sports leagues to announce its plans to resume the season. To talk about that is the hockey writer from the Philadelphia Inquirer who covers the Philadelphia Flyers, Sam Carcini. Sam, uh, thanks for coming on. How are things going down in Philly? Are you staying safe? My pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me, Ken. Yeah, things are uh, picking up now. It looks like uh, there's some optimism. It appears the season is going to start either late July or early August. And, uh, you know, that's good news. And uh, uh, there's still some hurdles that have to be cleared. But, uh, uh, you know, all in all, the NHL looks like uh, it's primed to uh, restart the season. And, uh, you know, the Flyers, as you know, were uh, the hottest team in the NHL when it it ended. So I'm uh, real anxious to see uh, if they can keep up the momentum. And uh, quite frankly, I, I think they will. I think they'll be a little rusty, like everybody else, but in the beginning. But I think this team is uh, is poised to, to do some good things in the playoffs. We'll talk about that, the all structure in a moment. But I, I, I just realized, um, you know, we're talking Stanley Cup playoffs, and about this time we were beginning, you know, the finals be underway. What were you doing 40 years ago tonight? 45, 45 40, years ago, I mean. <laughs> 45 years ago. Okay, let me let – me, uh, uh, quickly do the math. Um, 45 years ago, I guess uh, 75. Today is the 27th. I guess I was actually at a friend's house in the, in South Philadelphia and uh, getting ready for the game. And of course, the Flyers beat Buffalo two nothing. It's amazing. I remember five, not even five minutes. I would say five seconds after that game ended, the Flyers beat Buffalo, of course, to win their second straight cup. Um, <laughs> the mummers were marching down the street in South Philadelphia in mass, and they were within five seconds of the game ended. There were like tens of thousands of people out there. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a game, and it uh, it showed that the previous uh, season was not a fluke. And and uh, you know, as you know, Bernie Perron had shutouts in, in both Stanley Cup uh, clinching wins, and uh, it, it's kind of nice. I talked to Bobby Kelly about it uh, last week because. I'm doing a, a countdown of the 10 most famous Flyer playoff games in the franchise history, and, and that is going to be number two. And, uh, you know, Kelly Kelly told me that uh, his game-winning goal, for people who don't know, he scored in the opening, uh, I think it was 11 seconds yeah. of the third period to break a 0-0 tie. And uh, it was it was a drill that they worked all the time. They uh, Reggie Leach threw the puck behind the net, and... Uh, Kelly dug it out. Bobby Clark uh, kind of screened off Jerry uh, Korab, who was uh, a real big defenseman, uh, 215, 225 pounds in there, and kind of screened him off behind the net. Kelly uh, kind of a wraparound and then put a backhander uh, past Crozier to score. Kelly said he skated to the bench and said to Freddie Shearer, you owe me $5. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said we had, uh, uh, you know, Freddie would pay us five dollars if we if we scored on that play in a game uh because they worked at it he said so so hard during uh during practices so it just shows you with inflation uh, uh you know five dollars uh, i guess went a lot further in 1975 but kelly kelly said sure did pay him off but uh so you got five dollars you also more importantly get the game-winning goal in the stanley cup clinching game and it's the only uh Stanley Cup that they have clinched on the road in franchise history. So uh, kudos to Bob Kelly. Yeah. 
Of course, uh, there was another un unfortunate, unfortunate uh, memory back uh, a couple days ago with the 40th anniversary of the Leon Stickle game, but we won't talk about that right now. But uh, uh, let's talk about the 24 team setup. Uh, I mean, I, I, I like the fact there's going to be additional teams. It's only fair because the way the season ended uh, with the pandemic and uh, it really wasn't fair to some of the teams who were really battling for position. I mean, I've seen people on Twitter complain about this whole format, but it's, it's going to be more hockey, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, but I'll play devil's advocate with you. See, I, I, uh, I, I to me, uh, and, and I've written this, I, I think they should have, I think uh, smaller is better in this case. I would have went uh, with eight teams making the playoffs, just like it was back in the old days. You talk about 74 and 75 with the Flyers winning the Cups. So, you know, eight teams make the playoffs, four in each conference. You had a Stanley Cup quarterfinal, Stanley Cup semifinal, and a Stanley Cup final. And uh, I believe me, I, I know what you're saying about the teams that were on the bubble and wouldn't have a chance to qualify. Uh, but I, I just think they're extenuating circumstances. And I also realize if you only had four teams make it, you'd have a lot of really good teams, you know, like the Pittsburghs and the Carolinas and that wouldn't make it. But I just, I just think with the virus out there, I, I just think you should, try to get this season over and done with as quick as you can. I would have had best of five quarterfinals, best of five Stanley Cup semifinals, and a best of seven uh, Stanley Cup final. And uh, would it have been fair to everybody? Absolutely not. But these are just, you know, trying times. And, and uh, you know, plus it would not have affected next year uh, if, if you did it that way. You could have got the season over quickly. And you would exceed it to teams by uh, points percentage, but uh, but what they did, and and, and I'm not going to you know crucify them for this, you know, like you said, they're trying to be fair and accommodate as many teams as possible. Um, so what they did, they have uh, these playing games, and now <laughs> you have the other extreme. You have teams like Chicago, teams like Montreal that did not deserve. There's no way they would have made the playoffs. I mean. You know, Montreal was nine games, nine more losses than wins. Uh, it, it, they just don't deserve to be there. Chicago doesn't deserve to be there, and many others don't either. And they're only there, you know, because of these playing games. They, they needed 24 teams. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I'm not going to crucify them. I mean, you know, it, it's a tough job to make everybody happy. And these playing games are going to be good theater. Uh, I'm really anxious to see how Montreal does against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, uh, as well as I do, the carry price can be a, a great equalizer. Uh, I don't expect Montreal to win, but it, it's it's going to be great theater. And, and uh, um, you know, hopefully uh, they get past these hurdles that I talk about. Some of them are medical. Some of them uh, involve other things. I think they will get past them. And, uh, yeah, it should be, uh, should be a fun ride. It's going to be in the you know, obviously you have the the, the uh, playing games. You also have the teams that receive first round the, the buys, like like the Flyers and the top four teams in the East, top four teams in the West. They're going to have to play round robin games to see who's going to be the top seeds if we are in the uh, to to go to the first round. That's yeah, I I can I can understand having those teams play because they, if they're sitting out while the other teams are playing, they're going to be rusty. I mean, they're rusty enough as it is. Yeah, you know, but the but. Uh, this this round robin format, it's I don't know. I, I'm that's probably the one thing I don't get, but I can understand why they're trying to do it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if I'm the Boston Bruins right now, uh, I'm playing with a chip on my shoulder because here, you know, they had a hundred points. They were by far the best team in the regular season. But what the NHL is saying is, hey, the regular season doesn't mean much. <laughs> and again, these are extenuating circumstances, but. I'm really surprised the way they set up this round robin. I thought that they were going to have, uh, you know, just have the, the four teams play each other, and if you had a chance to pass a team in the regular season, you know, you could do it in the round robin. For instance, the the Capitals had 90 points, the Flyers had 89. So if the Flyers picked up, you know, a, a couple more points than the Capitals in this uh, three-game round robin, then they would get a higher seat. But I'd never... <laughs> Uh, dreamt that they would be able to, to climb past Boston. Uh, so if the Flyers go 3-0 and in this round robin, or let's just say they go 2-0-1 and, and that's the best record, 
Toronto, they were 11 points behind Boston in the regular season. So that does not seem fair to me at all. But again, um, the NHL had a tough job, but I think they could have done a better job with that than they did. Um, so the thing is, this year, I guess it's not, you know, as important to be a number one seed as it would be in the past, simply because you're not going to have the home ice advantage. Uh, you know, if that was the case, then, you know, the Bruins would be up in arms because, um, you know, the Flyers are the best team in the NHL this year on home ice. Nobody had more points than the Flyers on home ice. So, uh, but of course now you're not going to have a home ice advantage. You're not going to have, uh, any, any crowds. It looks like you're not going to have any crowds for all the games. They, they kind of left it open for the Stanley Cup finals and the semifinals, but, uh, that's highly unlikely the fans will be there. And, uh, and they also said yesterday, uh, that, uh, uh, they didn't want it to even look like a team had an unfair advantage. So let's just say Vegas is one of the, uh, the hub cities or one of the sites. Vegas then would not play there. That's the way they're leaning. They would play at the other site because, you know, they're not familiar with, with the rank. And so there, there will be no, Real home ice advantage, uh, even for teams that are the uh, the hub city. Yeah, only only choosing two hub cities. I mean, how this is the one question I, I I don't think was really answered. How are they going to have all these games in just two cities? Yeah, they're going to have uh, you know. <laughs> I, I guess they'll have four, five, six games in one day. They'll probably start at the. Uh, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, probably 10 in the morning, and, and uh, have another game at 1.30, another game maybe at 5, and another game at 8, and so on. Um, it's going to be a crazy schedule. And then do that again the next day. Uh, I think you'll have at least four, maybe five games, probably four. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be very hectic. But uh, uh, they say it can be done. But that's another reason why, you know, I, I just think, they should have gone with eight teams instead of 24. Uh, scheduling wouldn't have been a problem. And, and to me, the more games you play, the higher the risk that someone's going to contract the coronavirus. And, and you know, if, let's say Claude Giroux and, and uh, Kevin Hayes contract the virus from the Flyers, um, you know, <laughs> what happens next? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there's a chance that an entire team, you know, or half a team could, could contract the virus. And, uh, you know, to me, the more games you play, the more likelihood that the virus is, is going to have an effect. So that's what, that, that's the, to me, the biggest reason why I would have uh, reduced the field. And, uh, you know, this, this happened in 1919. Uh, it, it's been well documented that, you know, with the Spanish flu and, and the last game, the deciding game of the Stanley Cup championship between Seattle, which was in the league then, and Montreal, uh, was not played because most of the Canadians uh, had the Spanish flu. And one of the players ended up dying from it. So, uh, you know, I'm not obviously wishing that on anybody and uh, hoping that that, that happens, but it, it's certainly a possibility. And the more games you play, uh, the higher the risk. So. Uh, you know, let's, let's hope. I know they're taking all kinds of precautions. They're going to have 30,000, up to 30,000 coronavirus tests. And, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to practice uh, everything that uh, has to be done to keep the virus away. But uh, uh, there are no guarantees. Let's just, let's just hope they can get through this. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing. I mean, if you end up having a whole team get it, I mean, what does the league decide? Well, maybe we just cancel the cancel the playoffs at that point? Well, Bill Daly said that uh, from the medical experts that if two players on a team get it, uh, uh, right now they don't think the rest of the team will have to be quarantined. And, and that to me is, you know, uh, a little puzzling because if I have two players, you know, on my team to get it, uh, to me, um, you know, they're in contact with the other players, they're practicing with them, and, and, uh, you know, as much as you, you practice uh, social distancing, the odds are that it, if two players have it, that somebody else is going to get it on the team. So, uh, yeah, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah. Uh, 
the the formats for they haven't yet to decide if it's going to be a bracketed format or reseeding format, and they haven't decided at least for the first round and second round what the uh, length of the series will be. Uh, to me, I, I like to go reseeding because that's the way it should be all along. I don't like the format that the way it is now. The NHL did have a perfect system when it was you know, top eight in each conference, and they reseeded afterwards. So I like to see that. But uh, to me, I, I like to see this at least the first and second rounds just go best of five. That way, you're not taking a, you know playing too many games at that point, and uh, you, 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 you know, maybe cut back on the the risk of somebody getting the uh, uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I, uh, all he said was, uh, as you mentioned, that the Stanley Cup final and, and the conference final will be best of seven, and the other ones will be either best of five or, or best of seven. Uh, of course, the playing ram is best of five. Um, but as you said, the, the other two rounds uh, are unknown right now. But I'm with you. I would go with best of all the 24 teams are in the same boat haven't played since uh, early March I mean can you pick a favorite at this point well if you look at the odds Boston is a, is, is a favorite but I, you know I, I think Tampa Bay is, is a team if you want, if you want a dark horse uh, Columbus had, had a lot of guys injured and, and they're coming back and they're going to play Toronto that's going to be an interesting series um, you know in the play um, the other side Posted on my uh, Facebook page, the Flyers get uh, James Van Reems like back from injury. What team benefits the most from getting players healthy? Well, the Flyers are one of them, and, and not only him, they also get Phil Myers back. And I'm a big Phil Myers fan. I think he, he he's had a really good rookie year, and, and uh, uh, you know he's going to help them. I think uh, uh, you know Pittsburgh getting a couple key players back. Columbus uh, is getting a couple players back. Pittsburgh didn't get past Montreal, but the other thing 
Flyers, Pittsburgh, uh, every team is going to benefit to some degree. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, Stamkos is back. So every team is going to, you know, that's the one positive for all these teams. Uh, you can look at every team, and they had a key player out, and they're all getting a key player back, and in some cases two or three. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just think uh, Tampa to me is the team. Uh, I, I, I like teams that <laughs> feel like something happened that shouldn't have happened. I like them the next year. Uh, give you another example, the, the Boston Bruins, who were stunned by the Flyers in 2010. I mean, there's no way <laughs> uh, they should have blown not only a 3 nothing series, lead, but a 3 nothing lead in Game 7, as we all know, yeah. and yet, and, and, and they were on a mission the next year, and you could just see it in the way they played, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup in 2011, and by the same token, uh, I think Tampa Bay has been on a mission, there's just no way uh, <laughs> that should have happened last year, uh, hot goalie or not, um, you know, they, they just should not have been swept by Columbus, I mean, they you know, they ran away with everything last year during the regular season. So, you know, if I'm a betting person right now and, and Stamp goes his back and, and their their team is, is, is loaded and uh, if I'm a betting person right now I think I would I would probably go with Tampa Bay, even though I believe uh, the odds I saw today, I believe Boston was a slight favorite. Tampa might have been second. But if I'm if I'm a betting man I think I would uh, lean towards Tampa Bay right now to uh, to win the whole thing. And Tampa was one, I think, one of the two teams that voted against the playoff format. So they're probably even angrier at this point. Yeah, they and their logic was that uh, uh, the way that, the way it was set up, they're going to play in a round robin. They thought, you know, we really don't have as much to play for in the round robin that these other teams with playing are really going to be geared up because it's it's life or death. I mean. Those teams, if they lose, they're done. So there's going to be so much intensity in that playing round. That's not to say that the round robin won't have intensity, but, you know, playoff spots are not really on the line. I mean, those four teams are guaranteed spots, and you're just playing for seeding. And and, uh, the seeding really this year isn't uh, as important as it has been in the past. So we we play this out to early fall. We're looking maybe late September, October, early October for the cup to be presented. When does the 2020-2021 season start? Yeah, uh, Gary Bettman said some interesting things uh, yesterday in that Zoom call. He said that, uh, uh, he, number one, he expects the 2020-2021 season to be a full season, 82 games. Um, which was a little surprising when when the next thing came out of his mouth was that there's a chance next season won't start till January. How you're going to play 82 games and start the season in January is beyond me. Uh, you know that that to me would be really ridiculous. Um, you know that would be a money grab. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, to me, if you, if you do end up if this season goes to October and then you start next season in January, you really have to reduce the, uh, the schedule to like, say, 70 games, that's plenty, uh, and then try to end the season in June, you know, the playoffs in June, because, you know, I, I, I just don't think you should be ending the NHL season in the fall, and then you're going up against football, and, and uh, you know, it, it just takes away from the tradition, too. I mean, uh, you know, you talked a few minutes ago about the Flyers winning the Cup. I remember in 75, May 27th seemed ridiculous to have a season last that long. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the the latest date that a season had ever ended. Uh, When they won the Cup the previous year was the 19th. And, you know, May 27th, it was like, this is crazy. And now, of course, they go to mid-June. And uh, I I just hope this year isn't a precedent where you – uh, you know, where you think that, hey, it doesn't matter. We can we can play into August or September. The summer, to me, the natural rhythm is the summer's for baseball. The fall is for football. You know, and, and hockey is the fall, and it, and it culminates 
four and five games. It can be done, but you can't play four and five games a week. I mean, the quality would just go down. So uh, I think they may have to revisit the, that uh, that plan. Couldn't leave uh, leave you go without asking about uh, former Union standout Shane Gossespierre. Uh, it seems like he really ha- he's having an up and down year again. Uh, what are his prospects, and what is what's his future hold for the fly- with the Flyers? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot depends, uh, Ken, on on uh, the status of Justin Braun. If they if they re-sign Braun, and I think they would like to. Uh, he, he's been real steady after a, a slow start, a real tough first month of the season, but. Since then, he's played really well. Uh, if they do re-sign him, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Ghost will be on the block. I, I really do. Uh, he's had back-to-back disappointing seasons, uh, but he's the kind of guy that you know you know better than anybody. He's got so much promise, so much potential. Uh, his contract is not ridiculous. I wouldn't say it's uh, team-friendly, but. I believe it's 4.5, and it, so it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't think teams would shy away from that. But if you can get, uh, you know, a, a quality, maybe not a high quality, but a, a quality uh, winger who's going to score 20, 22 goals, uh, I think you'd do it. Or if you can get a first-round pick for him, I think you'd do it. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the way it is right now, unless there's an injury, uh, I'm not so sure uh, he's playing when the, when the season resumes because Robert Haig really came on and, uh, you know, they played really well with Haig in the lineup. They did not play real well with uh, Ghost in the lineup. And, it, and, it, and it, there's a lot of variables. I don't want to point the finger at him because there's a lot of other things going on. But, uh, you know, he, he spent a lot of time on the second power play. He played himself off the first power play and then, then they tried him on both the first and sometimes the second, and, and uh, he uh, kind of lost his confidence. But he did have uh, some physical ailments, had some knee surgery. So the hope is that that is what prevented him from uh, really uh, displaying the speed that that we all know, we all loved. Uh, you know, his first few years in the league, and uh, you know, so maybe he comes back and, and he's a different Shane Gossespierre, and maybe that changes. chat uh, talking about the NHL playoffs. I can't wait till they get the puck dropping. It's going to be obviously unusual playing hockey in uh, mid-July and August, but it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, hopefully everybody stays safe and we have a cup winner come uh, late September and early October. Always great to talk to you, Ken. Appreciate the time. Appreciate it, Sam. That's Sam Carcitti of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Coming up, I'll talk Major League Baseball with Mike Ferrin of Sirius XM Radio. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. I'm calling on all New Yorkers to do their part to slow the spread of coronavirus. Everyone, even young people and those who feel well, stay home. If you must go outside, stay six feet from others. This will ensure everyone who needs hospital care can get it. This virus spreads even without symptoms. Stay home and stay safe. Be a part now so we can all be together later. Stay informed at health.ny.gov coronavirus. Hey, NASCAR fans. It's time to rev up the engines and play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Each week during the 36-week racing season, you pick 10 drivers. If you have the week's best point total, you'll receive a $50 Hannaford gift card. If you have the best point total for the season, you'll win a $250 Hannaford gift card. Be part of the fun. Go to dailygazette.com slash autoracing. 
get your motor running and play today. Welcome back to the podcast. While the NHL has its plan in place to resume its season, Major League Baseball is in chaos, which is threatening the 2020 season. Owners and players are fighting over economic issues. And if the two sides can't figure things out soon, there may not be a season. To talk about the situation is one of the prominent baseball authorities on Sirius XM Radio, where you can hear him on Post Power Alley. And as host of the uh, postgame shows and pregame shows during the uh, postseason, please welcome Mike Farron. Mike, uh, welcome to the Party Shots Podcast. Well, it's great to be with you. Hope everybody is safe and sound up in Schenectady. Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. hope you're safe and doing well as well. And before we uh, get into the baseball, we were talking off air. You mentioned you have some connections to Schenectady. Yeah, I do. Well, we got a fair amount of connections in, in my family that uh, in New York. So my, my mom's first cousin, uh, Kenny Rocco, uh, and his family uh, lived in Schenectady, and he raised his family there. They were there for a long time. And um, I, I actually, my wife's family is from her mom and um, uh, so uh, her uncle and cousins live in Ithaca. So we this is a, this is a, uh, it feels like I'm coming home to some degree. <laughs> Well, welcome home. And We're far from there right now in Phoenix. So, <laughs> yeah, how's the weather in Phoenix? Uh, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually it's so. So we had this beautiful spring, and then uh, towards the beginning of May, we hit a hundred way earlier than we normally do. And it cooled off a little last week. This week, it's supposed to get into the one tenth. So it definitely feels like summer. You know, we have two different summers here. We have the really, really hot summer which is the, the first part. It's kind of from Memorial Day to Fourth of July, and that's when it's really dry, and we get the 120s every once in a while. And then the second summer is, is when monsoon comes in. That's from about Fourth of July to Labor Day. And the high temperatures are only like 105. Then, so it's not too bad. <laughs> well, we just had some measurable snow a couple weeks here. It's, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy spring. I, I always like to say the groundhog lied. We didn't see it. <laughs> We're supposed to have early spring. It hasn't. Hasn't it never happened? So, anyway, speaking of uh, you know, spring and all that stuff, we're talking baseball here. And what is going on, Mike? I mean, it's, you know, we understand the pandemic issues with the with the COVID nineteen, but to be arguing over economic issues and it really, people, I don't think want to really hear about that. Well, no, I don't think that they do. They generally like their their sports to be. Um, you know, serve to them in, in, you know, solely in the entertainment uh, realm. But, um, you know, baseball is a business, and it really always has been. As much as we like to say that it's a kid's game, we play it as kids, it's always been a business, and dividing up the, the revenues is, you know, just like in any other business is, is one of the, the things that gets discussed a lot. In this case, you know, the product isn't widgets or, or you know, or T-shirts or whatever. It's, it's players. And, they, you know, and I, I'm not trying to dehumanize them by saying that, but, you know, that's where the, the vast amount of the money gets spent, and that's what people come to see is the players perform. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit unfortunate in that, but I also take it, I mean, I have a little bit more of a pragmatic view on it in that, like, this is this kind of discussion is always healthy because you, you have, you know, players that are trying to get, uh, paid what is an appropriate amount, and they have owners that are richer than they are who are trying to keep as much of their own powder dry as possible. And this is no different than any economic argument that you have in any other job. It's just that the numbers in them are significantly higher than anything that you or I or probably anybody listening to this podcast can comprehend. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, here, here's you know, somebody like Mike Trout who could have to see his salary slashing so much. It's still, you know, if somebody's offering me five million bucks to play baseball for eighty two games, I'm signing up. <laughs> yeah, maybe unless you you were supposed to be making thirty seven million dollars and then taking an eighty percent pay cut. Yeah, you might not. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that I think that's where a lot of this comes into play. Is again, like if I told you that hey, hey, you know, Ken. The pandemic's an issue. We're gonna we're not gonna be able to put out the paper for six months, but we're gonna pay you for those six months that they're gonna come out at what your regular daily rate would be, and then come back later and say, Hey, listen, I know we had this agreement, but but revenues are even worse than we expected. We're gonna need to cut you another fifty five percent, you'd probably be pretty ticked off. And I think when you view it from that that way, and again, members a lot 
small salaries, I think you can kind of see the perspective from the players. On the other side, you can certainly see the perspective from the owners because their revenue right now is zero dollars. And the only way that they're going to be able to make money at all this year to be able to pay their bills is by putting games on television and on radio because we're not going to have fans in the stands. And, and maybe you're able to sell a little bit of corporate sponsorship because they, you're going to be able to see those signs on TV, but it's just not going to be the same. And so you have to take all of that together. It stinks in a lot of respects for those of us that like our, to think of our sports as pure um, for it to be happening publicly. But again, it, I actually think it's healthy discussion between the two sides. Yeah. I mean, is there? Can you sense the frustration among the fans, especially since they're you know, seeing baseball being played in Korea? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you certainly. I think any time there's a labor discussion in baseball, you sense the frustration in fans because again, the dollar figures don't make sense. It's billionaires and millionaires that are in this argument, and so absolutely, I sense the frustration with fans. But, as a fan, I'm frustrated, too, because I want to see them get back on the field. All of this is overshadowed. What the bigger concern is that we are in the midst of a pandemic, and we're already trying to thread the needle from a health standpoint to ensure that we can try and do this and create this entertainment industry that reduces the, the risk to, I guess, an acceptable level that doesn't get somebody mortally ill. And I think that those are the, the things that's the economics have, because they are being fought very publicly, it has replaced what is the most important part of this, which is, can this be done while keeping players healthy, while keeping staff healthy, while not risking the lives of, of people involved in sports? And that's the same issue that the NBA and the NHL have, excuse me as the truck goes by, but the, the, the NBA and NHL seem to have better relationships between the players and owners right now than where Major League Baseball stands. And of course, yeah, for the NHL NBA, they've had like three quarters of their season done as it is, the regular season, so right. uh, so they have a little more of an advantage in Major League Baseball. Let's say let's say if baseball does come back, we're, yeah, I guess the, the, right now we're talking an 82 game season, maybe it could be uh, increased, maybe 100 games. Uh, how are they going to format this? I mean, what, you know, we've heard so many scenarios. Maybe hub cities like in Arizona and, and, and you know, they're in Phoenix and, and surrounding areas. Uh, Florida, surrounding with Tampa Bay, maybe Miami, and some some of the training uh, spring training sites. But then we also hear maybe games being played at, at the home stadium. Yeah, what plan is going to be feasible for the games to be played? Yeah, so it's a really good question because we have heard a lot of different ideas that have been floated. As it stands right now, the plan is to play as many games possible in the major league stadiums as they can, in teams' home cities. And so that means that, you know, the Yankees and Mets have been approved to be able to trade at home, to be able to play their games there, the Phillies be able to play their games there. If there were, say, an outbreak in a city or there was a state or local government that was uncomfortable with it, then they would need to find a secondary option. And that's one of the things that baseball is going to have to be a little bit flexible on. But there are a couple of reasons for that. One, I mean, if, if you're doing this for broadcast, the broadcast positions are better. There's a better chance to be able to retain some of that corporate revenue from the owner's standpoint if you do it in the home ballparks. And you know, revenue is going to drive all of these discussions. So while maybe the Arizona plan that was uh, the first idea that was thrown out, um, you know, it, it sounded like the most restrictive, but it kept everybody in one area. Um, this is going to have a little bit more risk inherent to it, but it's going to be incumbent on the players and staff that are, tra- are traveling um, to be vigilant while they're both on the road and at home. But that's the most likely scenario, and what will, would happen is you would play uh, most of the games within your division, probably yeah, a week at a time, like, so like, let's say the NL East, right? So the Mets would go to Philly for a week, and they'd play six games against the Phillies, and then they would come home and maybe play six games against the Nationals, and then they would play a home-and-home of three games against um, the teams that are in the same geographic region in the other leagues. So they would play three at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees, three at home against them, that kind of scenario. So that's what's most likely as of now, although I think it's a pretty good chance that the players end up pushing for a longer schedule in part of this negotiation because players get paid for the regular season. The money that comes from the postseason goes to the owners as a portion generally of the gate sales that go to the players in the postseason, but obviously there's not going to be a gate for the playoffs this year. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it, yeah, obviously they're talk, also talking about a university age. I'm a National League guy, grew up in Philadelphia with the Phillies. I'm not a big fan of it, but I got, at least for this year, I can understand it. Uh, it looks like expanded roster, so there could be some benefits for the for the teams. Maybe you have a 30-man roster this year instead of the uh, 26 that they were planning on. Yeah, and I think and I think some of that has to do with is a nod to the fact that they're going to be rushing to get players ready. You know, we've had two instances of this in baseball history, both at the end of the lockout in 1995, where players had about I think it was 19 days to get ready for the 95 season. You know, they played 144 games here that year, and they changed some of the rules and roster rules early in the season for that. Then in 81, you know, the strike took out a huge chunk of the season in the middle. Um, players had a little bit of time to be able to get ready. They started the second half of the All-Star game and they got going. Um, and so, like, they're trying to keep players as safe as possible. And I don't know that 30 is going to be the number. It might be 28, which is what the September rosters were going to be. Uh, but their teams are expected to recall about 50 players that will be around the team. Not all 50 will travel, but that way they have a taxi squad of players that are ready should there be an injury or, you know, even worse, somebody you know, comes down with COVID and they have to they have to quarantine them away from the team for a period of time. Yes, speaking of quarantine, I mean, how, I mean, have they really talked about are the players going to be in the dugout or are they going to be in the stands? I mean, we're watching the games out of Korea. The, the players are in the dugout right now. So, I mean, do we see players sitting in the dugout? To be, or do we see them maybe sitting up in the stands six feet apart? Yeah, so so it's a great question because there actually were in Major League Baseball put together a 67-page proposal that went to the Players Association um, about two weeks ago now. And in it, they actually had diagrams of how they wanted people to sit in the dugout and where the taxi squad members or those unlikely to play would sit in the stands in trying to keep social distancing guidelines with it. Part of that is born of the fact that as of now, their idea that they're working on with the union does not lend to daily testing. So Major League Baseball has converted its drug testing facility in Utah to be able to handle COVID-19 tests. And it can handle a large number a day you have to send the test off from wherever you are to Utah, and the turnaround time is about 24 hours, which isn't ideal. And so a lot of the things in their proposal were born of the idea that you wouldn't necessarily have daily testing unless somebody had symptoms. And so you had social distancing in the dugout, just a ban on spitting and high fives, um, not showering at the ballpark. <laughs> you try, try to reduce the risk as much as possible because of the way um, the players, you know, would interact. Now, if they get to a point where they're able to to have enough testing, and they're trying to be very mindful, my understanding is, of ensuring that there's enough for healthcare workers, frontline workers, and the general public, and they don't want to be seen as taking resources from that, if they get to a point in another month where testing is ramped to the point where it's easy for them to do daily, I think you would see a relaxation of those guidelines. What is your gut feeling? Uh, will we have a baseball season? Yeah, I think we will. I mean, I think I think just like in any negotiation. I mean, the, the, the I, this is tough to say because I'm a talk show host, but I'm also a team in play. So, like, I see kind of both sides of it. So, like, I, I, I mean, like, I don't love the fact that all of this is happening publicly. At the same time, it gives me something to talk about. But I think you have to take it in the 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 idea that it's a negotiation. And regardless of what comes out publicly in this, you know, the sides have a greater benefit of playing this season than they do not. Even if the owners are to lose money, not playing a season would help with the value of their franchises. It would put them in a very bad buy. Even if the players weren't going to get every dollar possible, you know, the players have a finite amount of time that they can play. And, and losing any of that salary, you know, over the course of whatever their career might be, could be very detrimental to them, even when we're talking about large numbers, you know. And, and even so, you know, 65% of the players were scheduled to make less than a million dollars this year. I mean, that's something the ESPN hasn't had this morning. So, you know, as we, while we think about these big salaries, there are a lot of guys that are making good money, certainly money we would want to be making, but it's not like it's life. Uh, changing money for just one season. So it, it's, you know, over the course of a career it might be. So I think that there's enough motivation on both sides that something ends up getting done. And we have a soft deadline kind of, of next Friday, I would say, to try and get something in place to get spring training started so that we could get going at the beginning of July. 
But really, if it ends up extending past that and we don't have a decision until June 15th and the season doesn't start until July 15th, I think that those are, are possibilities. They haven't really been discussed to this point, but I think that, you know, it, that we don't have a hard and fast deadline as of right now as to when this needs to get started by. Let's say they don't come to an agreement and the 2020 season is canceled. How damaging would that be to Major League Baseball? Uh, in the words of uh, Phillies manager Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Uh, I think it would be, uh, I think certainly publicly, from a PR perspective, it would be incredibly damaging. To see the other sports come back and to see what, whether it's the health, you know, it ends up being the health protocol, which I don't think it would be, or, or the financials, which it ends up being. I mean, I think the, if, if they're going to be viewed as, regardless of what kills it, um, the, that an argument over money in the midst of a pandemic is what derailed baseball, I think it would be it would be disastrous for them. I think that perception is, uh, there's already a perception about baseball because you know, we lost World Series in 1994, but it's an issue, it's amazing to me that, that we've seen the same issues in like the NHL, but it's never come to the same, because, because we don't have the same connection to the NHL that we do to Major League Baseball, I guess, in the U.S., that, that everything kind of gets looked at through that lens. Um, the idea of canceling an entire season when it could have been avoidable uh, would be would have disastrous effect. And then beyond that, the financial disaster for, uh, you know, not just the teams in terms of the revenue for owners, that might need something having to declare for bankruptcy or sell, but to the people who work for teams will be um, horrible. I mean, you're adding tens of thousands of people to unemployment lines, and we're not talking about we're not talking about people who are are you know, making millions of dollars a year. We're talking about the fifty five thousand dollar a year you know junior marketing worker in teams and so like on teams. So I think there's there is certainly motivation on both sides to get a deal done. And if it didn't happen, it would. It would be really rough. And it would be it would be very difficult to yeah. Mike, where can uh, people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can catch me at Mike underscore Farron. Simple enough. Mike Farron of Sirius XM Radio. Appreciate a few minutes talking Major League Baseball. And that's, let's hope we see some uh, some action come uh, July. Yeah, knock on wood. So stay safe. These two, Mike. Thanks a lot. That's Mike Farron. Right. Back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times. For most of us, the coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading.
Back to wrap up the podcast. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Sam Carcitti and Mike Ferrin for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and SoundCloud. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, and stay safe.